Hi, I'm Sarit Zavi, the CEO and founder of Alma Research and Education Center. We are focusing on Israel security challenges on the northern border. Hello, my friend. How are you? <laughs> Great. Great being with you today. Thank you. All right. So um, you're in Israel. Um, thank you very much for staying up later than you usually would. Tell me about what you, you know, let's just start. Like, who are you? Who are you? And how did you get to the point where you're, you created this business? So I'm a lieutenant colonel in reserve. I served for about 15 years in the Israel Defense Forces. I was an intelligence officer. And when I was discharged from the army, I wanted to um, introduce, to engage, to, to meet more people and to tell them about my experience uh, on the northern borders of Israel. I live not far from the Israeli northern border next to uh, Lebanon. And I also professionally dealt with that uh, throughout my professional life. So um, when I was discharged from the army, I wanted to brief people that are coming to Israel. I was very successful. We had, I had about 30 groups each month, which is unbelievable for one person. And I understood that uh, I can't do it by myself. And that's how I founded Alma. Uh, of course, the base to the capability of briefing is the research. You cannot be a briefer or a speaker without uh, doing an in-depth research about what's going on in Lebanon and Syria and security issues, uh, including from sources in Arabic. And that's why it was very important for me to establish a research and education center. And I think this is also our uniqueness, the fact that we can uh, research something, but also talk about it. In uh, I always say to convey a very complicated message in a simple words. Uh, I met you last year when I was in Israel, um, and I took your tour, and I thought it was like amazing. I mean, you know, the, the passion that you had, the visuals, your team, like there's so much that you had that I'm like, I have to keep this relationship with this woman because she's so amazing. Um, when you started this company, what were the, what were the, uh, the, the perils? I mean, what are the situations that you had to deal with when you had to start this company and get the visibility? Um, because starting a company is not that easy. Starting a company that's research-based, definitely very overwhelming because there's so many research companies around the world. Uh, what were the biggest things that you, the obstacles that you had to deal with? The obstacle that I dealt with is a different obstacle than probably anyone else that you've spoken with because I'm an Israeli and I've started my company at the same time that we had war here with Gaza. So not a single tourist came. And I couldn't market anything. I couldn't speak with any tourist company. I just had to wait for about three to four months. Mm -hmm. And only after three or four months, I was capable of going to the tourist companies in Israel and to other organizations that are bringing groups into Israel. And it was really, uh, you know, day by day, again and again and again, uh, traveling to Jerusalem, which is about three hours drive from here. Uh, to market, uh, to market what I'm doing, to market first to market myself, and later on to market Arma. Mm -hmm. The 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 tourist agents. Uh, most people that are going to Israel, they are going for Jerusalem. Um, when I was there, um, you're hearing about all the different concepts of the wars, and people should be afraid. And I felt extremely safe there. Um, but the tour buses, so many tour buses, travel and tourism is huge in Israel. But again, you're focusing on uh, the religions. So how did you convince the tourist agents to work with you? Um, I think this was, it, it's, it's funny to say, but my weakness was my strength. 
meaning that since everybody was speaking about Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, I was the first one who spoke differently. I was the first one who brought something different, which is the North. I totally focus on the North and I'm a professional about it and I'm based in the North. And you know, at first, even inside this area, which you can see behind me in my logo, this is North and Israel in my logo. Uh, people told me nobody will come to where you are based. You're based in the Western side of the North. People are all going to the Eastern side where the Golan is, where, where near, near to the Syrian border, where I met you. So I had like a double challenge to bring them from Jerusalem and then to bring them to the West side. And I think we succeeded because we truly provided something unique that nobody get this kind of experience and something really professional. But though it was really professional, meaning that we supplied information that nobody else spoke about, it was also very personal. So it was a combination of the professional and the personal. We all, all of our speakers brought their personality into the meeting with the groups. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed the most was um, it's some, especially for me, like every morning I would get up and I would go for a run and everyone's like, what do you mean you're running in, in, in Israel? I'm like, it's, I, I love getting to know a neighborhood and a community, but more so I love traveling outside of the norm where, where there are tourists, but not as inundated. And there was like in so many different places where you're going to the, the, the place of where um, Jesus was laid and the, the amount of people was overwhelming. And then to be able to come to your area and to be to get that tour and see the green and seeing all those areas that I you hear about in the news but you don't get to the entire story. So tell me about why you want to tell the rest of the story. We on I mean we in the in the United States we're only hearing a quarter of it because it's not the news. I am very lucky to travel all over the world and I'm able when you're in other countries you're the news is really about the world not just that location. And here we are we're very into ourselves which Unfortunately, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. Um, what was so important in regards of telling the rest of the story? Well, for, I think there were two reasons for this. One, as an Israeli, I uh, sense that people, uh, when they, even those who are interested, even those who are in, engaged and have a little bit of knowledge and listening to the news, all they get is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. As if this is the main issue in the Middle East and if this one will be solved, all issues in the Middle East will be solved. Yeah. And bad news for us, this is not the situation. <laughs> uh, the problems of the Middle East are much greater than the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, are much more complicated than that. There are lots of players on our borders and people actually don't know them. So this is the first thing that I wanted to deliver to people, that it's not only about the Palestinian issue. The second reason is that I um, understood that uh, what is happening on my northern border will eventually meet people around the globe. Only last week, there were explosive um, inv investigation about explosives that were uh, probably found in Germany. And Germany had to deal with Hezbollah for the first time. Um, we see the relationship between United States and Iran. We are dealing here with challenges that are not only our problem, they can be a global problem. And I think this, is the, this was another motivation for me to speak about these issues. I think that uh, it is, it's timely because people are forgetting because the pandemic is, is so in the forefront that so many other things are definitely in the backdrop. And I always say that the pandemic is what we're dealing with right now, it's the nucleus, but there's gonna be so many things, the ripple effect of things that we haven't been talking about for quite some time. Um, what has the pandemic done for your community and what, what are, what's the big discussion in Israel and around the borders 
about the pandemic and how it's growing or not growing? What's happening there? So actually this discussion developed because at first, uh, even, you know, myself, and I've spent many years in the army and, and I am not supposed to be optimistic. I wanted to be optimistic and believe that everything happens for a reason and maybe this pandemic will bring a better situation to all these conflicts in the Middle East and maybe we'll see some change in the behavior of our neighbors. But now we understand that, and I'm very sorry to say that, that this is not happening and unfortunately, our enemies continue at the same track that they were before the pandemic. By the way, not only against us, but also between each other. So actually, nothing changed. Moreover, the experience of the Middle East from this pandemic is completely different from what you are experiencing in the United States and in Europe. Can you tell there us why? Is less, I don't know why, but there is less COVID-19 here. Um, even if you assume that uh, those countries are concealing what is truly happening there, it's not, it, it, everybody understands that it's not a catastrophe the way it is in Europe or even in the United States. Yeah. We are not experiencing the same uh, over here, not only in Israel, e even in uh, Egypt, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Jordan, in all of our neighbors, the situation, I don't know, maybe it will change tomorrow, but for now, uh, it's different and they're all under lockdown in this way or another, okay? Uh, not completely you know, in all of these countries. So it's interesting to see that they are still uh, continuing uh, as we speak with the, the, the regular narratives and the, the regular issues. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, I spoke to my brother. My brother works in Dubai and um, they, were in lock, they were under strict, strict lockdown um, and um, you had to have, a, you had to have a, a license to actually walk out the door to go food shopping and he said it was, like, it, was, it was very hard for him to be so secluded, but he agreed. He's like, the numbers are extremely low. Um, they had drones that were spraying the area and sanitizing in the evening, wow. strict curfews, um, even for shopping. So it was really interesting in regards of how other countries are doing it. Um, you are a mother. You are a former military. You are a business owner. Uh, you have a team of people. How are you juggling it all? I mean, and, and you're dealing with a pandemic. Like, how are you juggling all of this? Uh, it's a <laughs> daily challenge. It's a daily challenge. Um, uh, in the past few weeks, I, I went to work. I, I, we already opened back the office. By the way, it's not a company. It's a non-profit organization today because you cannot have research. And actually, it's not profitable to have the research. We are leaning on donations but anyway yesterday i went to the office i went back home uh, for lunchtime to make lunch for my kids and then i went back to work just after making lunch and for a few more hours and sometimes now with the webinars it's even a greater challenge because uh, the hours the webinars are in the evening so i can speak to people in the united states so i really have to jungle uh, with the times but, you know, I like it this way. I think this is better than anything else. So. <laughs> <laughs> you like it this way because of the time zones and, pe and because you're not having a, a, a group of people coming in and you're out all the day, all day? Or you know, what, what is it that you like? In, about oh, no, I, I prefer the groups, no doubt. So the webinars for me are a new branch in Alma, and I'm positive that we will keep it after the, the groups will come back because there are more people that can get more information uh, even without coming to Israel. Of course, I, I, I love the face-to-face -face, uh, engagement, 
But I, I mean, you know, when I've said that, I, I compare it to what I experienced in the army. And in the army, I hardly met my family. I came home after everybody were asleep. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, this situation, though I'm working hard as a mother and as a, I don't know, woman who has a career, it's much better than being in the army while I only had a career. I was hardly a mother. <laughs> That's so true. If there are so many people right now um, all over the world all over the world that are thinking and considering starting their own business. Um, they were working in a place and now they're secluded, they're at home. They're seeing that they're so passionate about not the work day, the every day, but something else. What would you say to someone that is thinking about or really, really wholeheartedly, I'm going to do it, start their own business? Well, I started my own business that when I didn't know what my chances are at all. I, I never imagined that this is what will eventually happen with this Alma. I never imagined that I will have employees, that I will establish a center. So I, I always say dream big and you will fulfill big all your dreams. Um, but you need to understand that it doesn't come free. I don't know, free lunch. You, you need to work really hard for this to happen. You have to be very dedicated to what you do. And you have to believe, you need to have strong belief, and always a bit of luck, but strong belief <laughs> that you will succeed. Um, the, the, the luck of succeeding. Um, I know you, and you work extremely hard. So it's not just luck, you work extremely, extremely hard. Um, what has this, what has the industry, how has the industry changed? So tourism is, like I mentioned earlier, tourism is very, very large in Israel. Um, what has it done in, how do you think it's going to be in the next year or two or three? Like, when do you think that it'll go back to somewhat normal? I'm with those who think that it will take a long time until it become normal. Because even uh, first you need the vaccine. You need to everybody have the vaccine. You need a uh, psychological factor that people need to believe that they can go safely uh, on, on airplanes because tourists is something that you don't have to do. Those who will come back first will be the businessmen. And even them probably now understand that they don't need to travel for business. They can have Zoom conversations for business. Mm -hmm. So I'm with those that, you know, it took me uh, no no more than two or three days to understand that the reality had changed for me and I need to think differently. And I've made the changes in my staff. We, we think differently, we operate differently, and if the groups will come back, great. But for now, we are developing everything we, we offered to people face to face. We are now working to be capable of offering it uh, digitally, including tours. And I have discussions every day with my clients. How can we make virtual tours? Uh, we had a simulation. How do you do a virtual simulation? I believe that everything can be done uh, virtually, the only question is what the client wants, yeah. how the clients want it to be. And we are putting a lot of efforts in adapting this to what the clients want. I think that those in Israel uh, that are with the tourist business that will not make this change and will continue to believe that the tourists are coming back next morning uh, will have uh, huge difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you said it perfectly where we start to make changes. What changes um, or what have you implemented in your personal and your professional life that you would have never done if we didn't have this abundance of time? Well, the whole issue of digital, uh, marketing ourselves digitally, uh, having webinars, 
people offered all this to me a long ago and I always said I don't have the time for that and finally I found the time for that and now we publish much more we are doing our own webinars uh, twice a week once in Hebrew once in English I never had the time to to uh, to reach out to Israeli audiences now we're also speaking in Hebrew which is something that we never done before um, with my staff, I'm working on training them because they are not experts to digital. They're just, they're also learning about that. And mm -hmm. there is a much to learn and there are different approaches. So we spoke with experts. We learn how to have a webinar, how to put this one behind me, <laughs> what to wear, all these small details, how to market it, um, how to cooperate with other organizations uh, in the webinar in order to get more exposure. Mm -hmm. All of that uh, were things that we learned. The Zoom, how do you work with Zoom? What's the difference between a meeting and a webinar? All of that we've learned in this month and a half. Actually, all the staff were home and it was only me and one more uh, staff member. And now all this knowledge that we gain, we are passing to the rest of the staff uh, in order to continue our work. Amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> I love it. You're amazing. Um, I always like, uh, it's like, I, this is a question I ask every single time for every single person that I speak to. Um, if there was something that you could ask, actually, you know what, before I ask, the world change, the world opens up tomorrow. Everything goes back to the new normal. What does your first day look like? How do I bring more staff? Because I have new branches in Alma now, and in order to uh, renew the old ones, I need more staff members. So I need new staff members that will be capable of having everything, webinars and tours. And I think this would be my first, uh, my first goal, to, to train staff, uh, excellent staff members. That's your next day. So then, what is your ask? Um, if for everyone that's listening to you right now, um, for a lot of people that are learning about what AMA is, what is your ask um, for you either personally or professionally? Personally, uh, ask questions about Israel. Don't ever just uh, take what you get from the media in the United States because it's not enough. Listen to uh, what everybody, all players have to say. Mm -hmm. Professionally, I think this is an opportunity for all of us because if until today I only had to travel at universities or students had to come to Israel, now I can speak to hundreds of students uh, without traveling anywhere. And we can do very interesting things uh, together with students and universities. And I think that we can give uh, to students for media, Middle East, uh, manage, crisis management, um, I don't know, even low school, some angles that were, they would never meet unless they meet us as Israelis, as Israelis who are living in the North and as an expert to the Middle East. What, because now I just have to ask that, that other thing. So I, I fell in love. I mean, like I literally fell in love with Israel. Um, there was the food, the people, the, the, like the, the culture. Um, there was so much. I mean, just being able to see so many different, people in the same ecosystem, the multiculturalness. I mean, just, I was in awe of a place that was so small, smaller than Rhode Island, that had so much to offer. Um, and yet there's so many, so much anxiety and angst about this one little country. Um, I, I would love everyone to visit it because I am, I was raised not to be of just one person's ideas and concepts and news, to be of all. And 
in order to be of all, you have to actually create your own thoughts and processes by being in that location or being, or putting yourself in a situation where you're learning about it firsthand. So what would you tell, um, what is your favorite thing about Israel? I mean, like you I mean born and raised, like what is your favorite thing about Israel that you really want people wow. to Wow. <laughs> that's, that's like a personal one. I know there's so many. I mean, I have so many as well. But that one thing that you really want people to really embrace, know, love, um, and learn and one day visit? I want them to know uh, us Israelis. I think that we are uh, a little bit different from what uh, they get in the news. And uh, I would love if the, when people are coming to Israel, they would get to know the people, the persons. As you said, we are very different from each other. It's a very heterogeneous society. Mm -hmm. But I think there is still something that we all share as Israelis. We, we are very caring. Uh, I don't know how to explain that, but we are all one big family. And even when we speak about the issue of minorities, eventually when we get to meet each other and to stick with each other, we become one big family, including the minorities with all the complexities. And there are tons of complexity. I, I never deny them. But um, yes, we are kind of a family. And I think that this is something that people don't know. And we are very caring. If, for example, if you got lost in Israel, you lost your wallet in Israel, in the bus. Okay, this is a story that wasn't. Don't worry. Your wallet will come back. <laughs> Somebody will find you, will put a lot of efforts. Even if you travel to the other side of the country, your wallet will come back to you. Uh, I have to say that um, Israel reminded me much of uh, being in Boston. I mean, I'm in Boston. Well, I'm the North Shore of Boston, but I'm in Boston proper. Um, and um, we always say that, like, I mean, we, it's a little hard to get to like us. But once you like us and once we like you, it's forever. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy day and your evening. I, so I really do appreciate it. Um, I cannot wait till this is a little bit more relaxed as in it might be the end of the year, but I cannot wait to come back and have a conversation with you to find out what you are doing and how it, how, how, how it all evolved um, is what I'm definitely going to be curious to know. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For thank you.